chapter 2 last week. Today we're going to start with chapter 3. We'll see how far we get. I I really want to get to uh, verse 7, but before we get there, I want to work my way down through these verses because there is a relationship many times between certain verses that is not apparent on the surface. And I believe that God lays things out in Scripture so that we must depend upon Him to really see certain things. Now, there is an apparent uh, understanding of just a casual reading of a verse. Then there is that which is hidden and deeper in the verse, And then there is that which brings together something else, uh, ties together certain things, moves along a certain line or path, connecting, bringing things together, and what have you. So the actual casual reading of it, we can get something from that. But there's more going on in, in different parts of the Bible that we actually read over and never see. And I'm talking about all of us. And so that places us in a position of need, that places us in a, in a particular area that we need to depend upon the Holy Spirit to help us. Now we're going to start in chapter 3, verse 1, and... Um, I'll make some comments on these verses and the words. There are some interesting words as we move down to verse 6 that when I was looking at them, I thought, wow. Well, you know, when you study the word a lot, you see these things and you say, I do. I said, Lord, this is really something, how he puts the word together. Verse 1, wherefore, holy brethren, the saints, same word, those of you who are set apart, partakers of the heavenly calling. We talked about that before. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. The word consider doesn't mean to just see. It means to observe fully, to fix your heart upon, fix your eyes upon him. Observe him. Now, the writer to Hebrews is the only one in the entire Bible that calls Jesus Christ apostle. The word apostle means, well, it has has different meanings. It can mean messenger. uh, It can mean ambassador. It can mean sent one, one who is sent forth. So so Jesus is the apostle of our faith. He was sent forth from the Father to you and I, personally, corporately and personally. And then he moves on. He says, apostle and high priest. Now, a high priest, a priest, is a bridge builder. And he builds a bridge between man 
and God. And in order to be a bridge builder, one must know the heart of man and one must know the heart of God. And so Jesus knew the heart of the Father and he knew what was in man. And because he could see both, he becomes a priest, but not only a, a priest, a high priest, which now he's going to take the things of man to God and the things of God to man. And he's able to do that because he was a perfect man and he was perfectly God. And that places him in this unique place that no other priest or high priest has ever been set in. So he knows the heart of God and he knows the heart of man. Now it continues in verse 2 talking about Jesus, who was, a fa- who was faithful to him that appointed him. Uh, he was faithful to the Father in that which the Father sent him to do. Remember, he's the apostle he sent forth. Who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in his house. Now, if you remember in chapter 1, verse 1, the writer shows that Jesus was superior to the prophets. Then he goes on in chapter 1 and in chapter 2 and shows how Jesus was superior to the angels. And remember, as I said before, that the Jews held the angels in this position that was a position higher and a place higher than God intended. Now he's going to show them that Jesus is better and far superior to even Moses. And they held Moses on this plane. No man has ever spoken to God face to face. The prophets, you know, they uh, spoke to God or received visions and dreams and the like. But Moses... Moses is really up there, you see. And the writer is well aware of of the position that they attribute to Moses. So he starts with the prophets, he deals with the angels, and now he comes to this particular thought now that Jesus Christ is superior even to Moses. And so in verse 2, he says that Jesus was faithful in his house, as Moses was faithful in all his house. Now, the word house here has many different meanings, and I put a couple of them down here to to tell you. For example, it means household. It means race. It can mean descendant. It can mean the congregation of Israel is is termed in the scriptures as the house of God. And it can mean any dwelling place. For example, in Matthew, it it talks and uses this same word and attributes that to demons indwelling a person. It's the same word, this, this word house. 
Now, I think that to bring that down to where we are and for, for our understanding of how that relates to us, when he talks about house here, I believe he's talking about all that was entrusted to Jesus. He was faithful in all his house, and, and, and that takes in all uh, the whole thing. Same with Moses. Um, his household, uh, he, dealing with the children of Israel, and so on. All that was entrusted to the hand of Moses, and the Bible here says that he was faithful in all his house. Jesus was trustworthy in that which God entrusted to him. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath built the house hath more honor than the house. See, he's not talking about a physical structure here. And you really see that if you read the beginning part of verse 6, which we'll get to in a little bit. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we? So he's not talking about a physical house, a physical structure here. He's talking about that which is entrusted to an individual, Moses, and that which was entrusted to Jesus Christ. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath built the house, meaning Jesus, who was the creator of Moses. He has more honor and more glory than the house. Now he comes to verse 4, very interesting verse, keeping that in mind. For every house is built by some, or some man, or someone. So if you look on the grand scheme of things, all the different people who have ever been born, and all the people who are alive today, and say that every house is built by someone. So God, in your case, Christian, has entrusted you with certain things. And as you walk with Him and are faithful in all that He has entrusted to you, a building begins to take shape. Now, every house is built by someone. So you have those in the world who have not come to Christ, and their house is being built by someone also, by themselves, uh, or indirectly by others, uh, other people, what have you, all these things coming to bear upon a person's life that influences them, and they decide to build their house according to the material that's coming. <clears throat> you all have material, you know that, right? 
You're all furnished with material, spiritually speaking. It comes to each of us. Now, are we going to be faithful in building the house? See? And, and, and he's saying here that every house is built by someone, be it men or be it God. But he that buildeth all things is God. That which is built that has lasting value, the one who, who's going to build that, all that is uh, brought to you that is of eternal value. See, that's going to be built by God. Verse 5. Now, let me, before we go to verse 5, I wanted to just bring your attention one minute back to verse 4. The word builded. The word builded means to uh, prepare, to equip, and also means to make ready. See, so, so there's something being prepared. There's something... Uh, being made ready. There, there's an equipping that is, that is going on here. Spiritually speaking, of course. And either God or man is going to be the author of it. As that relates to everyone. Everyone. Every person. Not just Christian. Every person. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. So in verse 5 here, the writer calls Moses a servant, but verse 6, he calls Jesus a son. So a son is in a much higher position in the family structure than a servant. And so he's, he's starting like, like setting blocks down. Uh, as I'm studying this, I'm seeing he's laying this foundation with blocks and he puts something else on top of it and he puts something else on top of it. Now he's, he's showing them that, that Jesus is far superior than Moses because he is the son and Moses was the servant. Trying to get that across to them. Verse 6 very clearly and plainly shows us that he's not talking about a physical structure. But the church. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we? Now, I read this, and I thought, this is rather, not odd, but, you know, you read it, and you wonder if people read it and read it and see what it's saying. So he says, But Christ, as a son over his house, whose house are we? Then he uses this word, if. Wow. You mean to tell me that in order to be his building, there are certain conditions. If is a word 
that brings about some type of condition into the text. It's not the only word, but, but that's a major word in the Bible. If we hold fast the confidence, now that word there has different meanings. You can, I don't remember where, where I looked this up. I look it up in three or four different lexicons. I use Strong's, Thayer's, um, Complete, Thayer's, Abridged, um, Low and Nita. You probably have never heard of that. It's another lexicon. And when you look at several different lexicons, sometimes you get a better feel for, for the word than just a Strong's. Some, sometimes a Strong's is good, but I think Strong's is extremely limited in giving you a, a better picture of the word. The word confidence, these are some of the meanings uh, that, that I found. I'll put it down here. I'll put it up here. Now let's go back. It's um, openness and approach to God. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the openness or hold fast our openness or hold fast our approach to God? So that this is talking about the heart condition of the individual who is being worked upon. Who's being equipped? Am I open to the Lord? Am I open uh, to His will? Am I open to others? Am I open, you know, to, to you know these various different? Am I open to sharing the gospel, and so on? So, so he's talking about a specific heart condition that is open to the Lord. See, because that is necessary to bring about the work that God wants to do in our lives. But Christ has a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the openness. The openness, I think that was a, a definition in the classical Greek, if I'm not mistaken. And the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Um, another meaning in the classical Greek was to follow close, which I really liked. I'm break that down here. Follow close. So, so you can see from some of these meanings here that in order for us to be his house or in order for us to um, be faithful in that which he entrusts to us, it's going to take an openness it's going to take a heart that, that wants to approach God. It's going to take 
a person who wants to follow close to the Lord. For us to bring something that the Lord wants completed in our life, to bring that about. Verse 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Now I'm going to draw a line here. And I'm going to call this line today. There is a today for today. You and I have today our today. Remember this, that God is eternal. God lives in today. God does not live in the past. God does not live in the future. You are created in the image of God. You live in today. You do not live in the past. Now, you may project in your mind to the past, as some people do, and they dwell on the past, but you cannot live in the past. You may use your mind and project into the future, oh, this will happen, that may happen, etc., etc., but you cannot live in the future because you're like God. You can only exist today at this present time. And so Moses, he had his time, you see, right here, we'll say. The children of Israel had their time, and that was for them called today. Today, if you will hear my voice, harden not your hearts as in the day of the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. See, that was there today. And here you and I are. Some of us may have in our today 50 years. Some may have 30 years. Some may have 70 years. But for each one, that is called today. Whether you have 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years upon this earth, still God is calling today to you in this present time as you exist in the present. The only place you can exist. You have this word today. Now in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, it says, Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. It's the same, same thought. The, the word now, today, means present. And, and that's a quote from, from Isaiah. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. See, it was 
a day for them. It was there today in Isaiah's time, and now it is today. You have your today, your time. Verse 8. Let me back up here. Today, if you will hear his voice. Now, there's another big word in this verse also, and that's the word if. As we saw in verse 6, and now you see it in verse uh, 7, and that's a conditional word, and it actually reflects the subjunctive mood verb in the Greek, which means there's a condition involved. And the condition involved, if you will hear his voice, what's the condition for that? Well, the condition for you and I hearing his voice today goes back to this here, where is there an openness in our heart to him? Verse 8. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. And I want to show you something here because I think this is rather interesting. This uh, portion of scripture, verse 8, is a direct quote again from the Psalms. Let's go to Psalm 8, or excuse me, Psalm 95. I think it's verse 8. This is an exact quote. Psalm 95, verse 8. Harden not your heart. Now, you know, whenever you go from the, the, the New Testament and you go to the Old Testament, the, the, this is a direct quote in English. But you understand that you're dealing with two different languages. The quote, of course, in in Hebrews, is in the Greek. Now they're quoting from the Hebrew here. And then you, you have something else coming in, because now, in this verse, it starts to open up what's going on. And it's interesting that the, the writer to the Hebrews is just, you know, this is just coming out, the Spirit of God's, you know, giving this to him. And the Spirit of God, of course, putting all this together down the line. It's just like, <laughs> God is God. There's no one like God. Psalm 95, verse 6, or verse 8. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Now, this is a quote, and it's related to two incidents in the Old Testament. Exodus 17, where the people chide with Moses. You know, they don't have water, and, you know, they, they, they chide with him and, and say, we should go back to uh, Egypt. Why did you ever bring us out here, etc.? Then it also is quoting from Numbers 20, where the Lord tells Moses there's no water once again, and he tells him, go speak to the rock, 
and the water's going to come out. And Moses goes and he says, Okay, all you rebels, you want water? We're going to give you water. Paraphrasing. And he strikes the rock with his staff twice. Now, the, the, the one reference it's talking about from Exodus 17, and I'm not going to write this down, but it's Mirabah. It's the, and, and if you go to Exodus 17, you'll see both of these words in there. Uh, one's Mirabah and one's Massah. Mirabah means strife or contention. And that's where the people did not trust the Lord. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to, to have all the, the things that they had in Egypt, the, 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 uh, the meat and the garlic and the onions and so on. They did not want to suffer thirst and let God provide. So, so there was this lack of trust on their part. The second place is in Numbers where Moses does not sanctify God before the people. And he gets the staff, and instead of speaking to the rock, or even touching the rock, he is angry and he smites the rock twice. And he does not obey God, or another way to say it is he, he disobeyed God, and the Lord says, because you did that, you will not enter into the promised land. That word, Massah, deals with Moses' disobedience, or I'll put it this way, um, obedience. Now let's go back to Hebrews and read the verse. The two words that we're dealing with here, see, hard not your hearts as in the day of provocation, is in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. The word provocation is the one word we're dealing with. And uh, temptation, or the day of temptation, is the other word. Okay? Now, in order for us to be successful in our today, today, if you will... Hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation and in the day of temptation. In order for us to be successful in our today, there must be trust in the Lord in our hearts and lives, and there must be an obedience unto him. Both of these things will be necessary in order for the Christian to be successful, and what I mean by being successful, going back to what we started with, where God wants to build your house today, in your day, your time, in order for that to, to come to pass, in order for there to be the proper fulfillment of that for your life, for my life, for any Christian's life, these two elements 
must be necessary, but must be there in our life. They're necessary things, I believe. That we have this trust for God and that there is a heart of obedience to Him. Without trust, there will never be the proper building. Remember, it says that, that Moses was faithful in all of his house. But it does not say that the children of Israel were faithful in all of their house because they did not trust the Lord. They were trusting in the natural. They were, they, they were trusting in themselves. They were trusting in what Egypt could provide. And in Egypt's a type of the world. You know, the trusting in what the world can provide you. So, so trust is a key player in this, you see. And with Moses, the truth that comes out from that scripture in Numbers 20 is that we are to be faithful in our house and in order for that to occur, we must be obedient to the Lord. Now, Moses made a mistake. But still the scripture says that he was faithful in all his house. So, you know, take the whole picture. Uh, Moses failed. He made a mistake. But the whole picture is that he was faithful in all his house. He was faithful or he was he was open to the Lord working in him. He, he was given certain things. He was entrusted with certain things. He was open to God in that. And, and he was, was faithful in all that was entrusted into his hand. What a testimony. And I believe that we as Christians, taking the whole realm of our today, as we are open to Him, allowing the Lord to work, we can also, when this life is over, it can be said of us that He was faithful in all his house, or he was faithful in what God entrusted to him or her. So it doesn't really matter uh, whether a person is in a position of authority or not. That's beside the point. See, the, 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 the playing field is level. Has that individual done well with what was entrusted to them, whatever that may be. You know, you women have your family entrusted to you, your husband, your kids, and other things that, you know, are entrusted to you personally. Maybe in church, something that you do here may not, you know, be recognized much. But see, that's all part of being faithful in your house. 
And you know how it is. You know, you can do things for so long and then get discouraged because you feel like nobody ever sees what you do. You're never recognized. Uh, you know, that whole thing. Does anybody even care? Well, I'm going to tell you something. The Lord is looking at your house. All of us. And that which he entrusts to you, he wants you to be faithful in. And to be faithful in that, you have to trust him. You do. And I I like the Lord because, you know, the Lord's up here, but the Lord's down here too where we are. And he knows our frame is as dust. He knows we get weary. He knows we fail. He knows we have faults. And still he's called us. And still he comes to us. And still he shows grace and mercy to us to bring us along. So so these things are not beyond what you are capable of as a Christian in Christ, of course. Sometimes I think we, and I, I tell the students in the Bible school this, I, sometimes we muddy the water. You know, we throw all this stuff in there and we think it's God, you know? And we think God's out to get us all the time. When he's not out to get us to get us, he's out to get us to bring us to him. And we throw all these things in the water and and the Lord's just saying, you know, make it easy for you. Just trust me today. Just be obedient to me right now. In the now, in today. Verse 13. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. See, so we are to exhort one another, and this word exhort has different meanings also, and one of them is encourage. It means to encourage. It means to call near. So so when I get up here to teach, one of the things I believe that the Lord wants to do in the teaching is to call you near to Him, you see. The Lord doesn't want to make you like a railroad spike and beat you into the ground. He wants to lift you up. He wants to encourage you. He wants to draw you nearer to him so that the work he wants to do in your house, so that can be done today. But exhort, encourage, call near one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Uh, Verse 15, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, it's the same thing. Harden not your hearts. Now when you see that harden not your hearts there, that draws a contrast between that word, which is mentioned probably three or four times in this chapter, is drawing a contrast between 
the hardness of heart and the openness that the Lord so desires for the Christian. Now, I don't know about you, but in my walk, there were times when I have been more open to the Lord than others. And that was dependent upon circumstances sometimes. And I see how God works where when a person is not quite as open to the Lord as they should be because of, you know, situation or whatever, you know, he's bringing along to them. The Lord doesn't give up on them. See, we give up on ourselves sometimes. But you know, the Lord doesn't give up on us. And he works with us and tries to bring about in our hearts the openness that he desires from us. To to make a very simple illustration, you know, I can put my hand forth, but if I have my hand closed, you can't put too much there. You may balance something on my knuckles and my fingers, maybe. But really putting something in my hand is going to be very difficult because it's closed. The grip of the hand is what holds things most of the time. But if I open my hand, now there is quite a realm of possibility related to what I can hold, feel, touch, handle, and so on. And the same holds true with our heart. If our heart is closed, there is very little the Lord can do, can give. If our heart is opened a little bit, let's say, well, then that's all the more that the Lord can do. But if our heart is really open, like we open our hand, well, that's something completely different. You know, there is a praise to God like this. You know, praise you, Lord. This is relating to a a spiritual thing here. And then there is a praise like this. Praise you, Lord. To where the hand is open and the Lord can take out and he can place in. And so the Lord desires that the Christian harden not his heart, her heart, as in the day of provocation and the day of temptation in the day where they were distrusting and in the day of disobedience. Rather, that their heart would be opened to trust him and would be opened to obey him. While it is said today, if ye will hear his voice, 
Harden not your hearts. Verse 13, I'll read it from another translation. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin. We have this tremendous opportunity as Christians. Opportunity that we do not really comprehend. We don't really comprehend it. Well, I hope we understand it more than when we first were saved. We have this tremendous time of today, the day of opportunity for you as a Christian. And I'll make this very simple. And I always say this. All you need to do is walk with God. And as you walk with Him, you will discover certain things. Verse 1, where it says, Consider um, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. One of the meanings of the word consider is to discover. So that as you and I walk with the Lord, and you know what I'm saying, walking right with Him, considering Him, there comes discoveries into your life. And you will start to to see things, handle things spiritually, understand things that you never realized. Because God is working on His house, you see. And we live in this day of opportunity and so many Christians are just squandering their time. Today, if you will hear His voice. Today, if you will hear His voice. We only have so many years in this life. And if we continue to walk with God, no matter how many years we have left, if we continue to walk with God, We will come upon certain things spiritually. We will discover them. And it won't be a discovery here between our ears. It's going to be a heart discovery. We are going to find certain things. And God is going to work upon your house. And He's going to place His glory, His riches, His abundance in you that will be there for all eternity. All eternity. The work on your house, you, that the Spirit of God can accomplish in your today, your years on this planet, will be for all eternity that of the riches and the character of Jesus Christ that you will carry forever, forever. As I said, we don't understand the opportunity that we have. 
But in closing, we do have this. We have our today. We have our years here. And as I said back from the quote in Psalm 95, the people did not trust the Lord and there was a lack of obedience. I pray today that all of us would stretch forth our hands and open them up and say, Lord, I want to trust you to put in my hands and to take out of my hands or my heart or my life what you see is best for me so that I would be a house or a container that you could fill with the riches of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, he's well able to do the work. All he needs is the openness from you, from your heart, and God can do the work. He's good at it. If he can create the worlds, and the world is full of wonders, the ocean, you know, and so on. And he can create the stars and the planets, the galaxies, and the nebula. He can create all of that. And that's not a big thing for him. He can surely create something of extreme beauty in you if you are open to him. Continue next week. Thank you.